0: ESPN 690 and Action Sports Jax presents Brent and Friends with
1: Brent Martineau. We're going to have to show a little more patience than the year two pom-pom people.
0: Casey Kurtz. Yo! <laughs> what are we doing, bro? Come on! And Aaron Schachter. I'm, I'm all in favor of these two, showing their love, really <laughs> celebrating their relationship. Get em, Get, em, get em.
2: This is Brent and Friends with Brent Martineau, Keishi
1: Kurt, and Aaron Schachter on Jacksonville's home for ESPN Radio, ESPN 690. There's, there's so many times in a day where I'll be looking at Twitter and I'll be like, this thing is so stupid. Sometimes Twitter is so dumb, right? Also and then so I,
0: funny. Though. And then
1: I find myself laughing, yes. like out loud about yes. it. Like this, this is from, I don't know why the algorithm... Make stuff show up like sixteen hours ago, right now. Meaning it was posted a while ago, yeah. It was posted a day ago. Yeah. And so it's during the Cowboys game, but this popped up on my timeline. It's like the Cowboys were on a thirty six to nothing run in an NFL football game. Guy responds to him and says it's actually thirty three, not thirty six. Jeez, you make it sound bad.
0: <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it good is pretty stuff. funny, right?
1: Good That's stuff. a pretty good moment right there.
0: I go through, uh, <laughs> I go through like peaks and valleys with Twitter. I get real mad at Twitter just because I think it's a real caustic, toxic place. Yeah, and then I love it because it just makes me laugh when I'm on the toilet. I, so. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> the,
1: nice. the one that gets me is barstool. Like I think barstool, barstool is so stupid <laughs> at its core. right it's so stupid yet i'll tell casey this i share more barstool tweets like with the kids (laughs) or the family or whoever because some of them are really funny hilarious (laughs) like really funny so i guess it's they're winning i also thought about this and this is great to bring in winning (laughs) rasheen yeah they are winning uh let's bring in rasheen mathis mathis on mondays i thought about this last night i almost tweeted it and i this is the other part of twitter rasheen that i i I sometimes can't fully process. Last week was a lot of fun because the Jags won. Everybody's like, "Hey, eh, great!" Yesterday was not fun. No, and so the amount of people that criticize other people for a job that they could not do, <laughs> like not even remotely, isn't that is what? amazing? Isn't like, that all a fandom though? Well, it's fandom. It's our jobs. Like I get it, but some of the it's one way to say it, and then there's another way to say it. Yeah, one and with passion, these... one without passion. <laughs> one with idiocy. Uh, I know you probably weren't much of a Twitter follower during your player playing days, Rasheed, but, I mean, it's got to baffle guys like you to hear some of us, but also Joe Fan, comment about
2: your job. <laughs> yeah, I've yeah.
0: laughed at it for years. <laughs> to put it lightly.
2: Um, I've laughed at it for years because, you know, but that's, That's life, right? That's the life of a fan, criticizing and critiquing someone that's, you know, doing something that only 1% of the world can do. Um, But that's the life of sports. Um, And, you know, we we, we laugh at it, but at the same time we understand it because we're trying to do the job and sometimes we fail at it. And um, yesterday was a day of that for um, the Jags.
0: Yeah, I, I'd I, like to believe I'd be blissfully ignorant, right? Especially in those scenarios where I'm doing my job, someone else didn't do their job, but I'm getting the blame for something that went wrong. Well, that happens a lot, right? Because right. they don't know the play call. Exactly, or... yeah. No one's in there watching tape like uh, all the pros are. So, like, I'd like to believe I'd be blissfully ignorant, but I know someone would get to me at some point. <laughs> ever happened to you, regime where, like, you don't have to get specific about it, but did it, do you ever have the experience where someone said something, you're like, you have no idea what you're talking about? <laughs> All
2: the time. Yeah, all it the time. Really happened all yesterday. Every oh, Monday, yeah, when he comes on with you guys, when he comes on he here, every Monday
0: from four to five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That
1: yeah. being said, I'd like to fire Trent Polky and Mike Caldwell today, Rasheen.
2: Rasheed.
1: Rasheed, you have a lot of explaining to do.
0: <laughs> you're you're our defensive coordinator. What the heck was that yesterday in Detroit? Let's explain to Brent what he doesn't understand this layman Rashid. Let's break it down
2: for him. <laughs> yeah, me. it was ugly. Um I don't I don't I believe they didn't punt once, right? Yeah, that's uh, true. So it was, it was it was an ugly day. We couldn't stop them on third down um and when we did stop them they were in field goal position, so it was definitely an ugly day on the defensive side of the ball on getting turnovers.
0: Clearly, you know, obviously when a defense shuts out an offense, it's a it's a it's a prideful thing. You don't see it too often in the NFL, so you like to celebrate it. Is that the reverse shutout for an offense when you don't get stopped once you score on every driver? Is that something that offenses don't even care about or recognize? They just want to win the game. Oh,
2: no, they care about it. They care about <laughs> yeah. it a lot. So yeah, that's what I thought. The offense is feeling great about themselves. I bet. Yeah, They're, they, they're, they're feeling great about themselves today. As they it's should. They should.
1: As they should. Listen, uh, I'm going to get right to the chase. Uh, I'll go coach your team and help build D-bats for the next couple of weeks if you will just go play corner for the Jags. Oh. Because this is not working. Shaq Griffin didn't play well, got hurt, isn't coming back. I'm uh, not really sure they want him back. Uh, the They try Trey Herndon. They are now healthy scratching him. He, he He's just not fast enough at this point in his career, or maybe ever, for today's game. Monteric um, Brown, young player, they tried him. Tavon Campbell, who we've all hardly ever heard of, they're trying him, not working. Uh, they tried uh, Claybrooks yesterday, didn't work. I mean, they are trying everything, but they have a, a, a an extreme soft spot at that other corner position that right now just can't be fixed, Rasheed.
2: Yeah, and it's, it's showing. It's showing. Um, it's, it's wearing its ugly head Um, every other game. Um, so, um, it, it's definitely a soft spot in the defense. And as I said before, the, the scheme has to adjust to it at this point um, because they are trying different, different scenarios, different guys, and to try to allow guys to, to work their way in and, and pretty much try to do it, try to see if they can, can feel that void. But now it's scheme. Scheme has to take over now and um, hopefully we're able to do that.
0: Do we feel it's too late for some kind of major drastic change on the scheme or in the playbook? You had Belichick yesterday in his press conference talking Patriots. It's too late to make some big changes on offense. Is it the same thing on defense? Do you think we're just riding with what we got and trying to figure it out?
2: Well, I think it's too, it's too late to try to fill that void um, because you have what you have at this point. Um, so from a defensive scheme standpoint, I don't think it's too late. I think you just have to lean on the guys who – put more pressure on certain guys, and and that's just how it goes in sports. When a guy goes down, or um, you know, from from baseball to basketball, you name it. Like when a guy goes down, it puts pressure on on a different part of the team, and some guys just have to step up now and show that they're worth all the hoop hoop the hoopla that 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 we are saying that they that that we're praising them for. So whether it's on the other side of the corner in Campbell or the D lineman on the DN getting more pressure on the quarterbacks or, or the linebackers, it has, it has to be filled somewhere.
1: Yeah. I think Rasheen Mathis with us maths on Mondays. Uh, you know, it's interesting. You bring up scheme. I was talking to somebody today about this and I, I don't know if Caldwell can play the scheme he wants to play. Isn't that scheme that he brought over from Tampa predicated on man coverage? and it's pretty obvious they don't feel comfortable playing man coverage Rasheed.
2: well yeah it is definitely um he is man man cover, coverage oriented and who are the defense meaning like what players can you 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 count on um and it's not to try to throw anyone under the bus it's just actually trying to put more pressure on the guys and see if they can stand up because at some point, they're going to have to stand up because it's a void in the defense. And whether that's like I said, a safety, um, every now and then, not showing your hand early in the down, or whether it's trying to get um, trying trying to trying to fill the void from the linebacker standpoint as well, where you're different, you're you're picking different down and distances to show your hand, whether you're blitzing or not, but. It has to happen somewhere. Like I said, from the from D line to the linebackers, or from the safety position, or or our Campbell on the corner position. Like like lean away from me. Um, don't don't show your hand as early. But knowing that you're going away from me early in the um, later on in the down.
0: But it's it's interesting to me you put it that way only because you, we were talking last segment to Maurice about Caldwell. If he does make it past this offseason, what's the expectation in the offseason into next season? I I hadn't really considered in that conversation, independent of performance, independent of coaching these guys or regression or non-regression, if the scheme doesn't fit, you can't necessarily expect Caldwell to turn that around, can you? Well, and that's why the question today is more, is this a bulky problem with personnel? We knew they were
1: thin in the the, uh, depth part of corner. We knew that going in. We also thought they were probably poorest position going in. The unknown was safety. It might be their best. Yeah. Like, it actually might be their highest performing position. Hard to debate. And so, yeah, you had to add more depth. You have to have more answers. Nobody expected Shaq Griffin to fall off the table like this and obviously getting hurt. And so you're kind of hitting and hoping in some areas sometimes that you don't get hurt in some spots or you play well. So I get that. I think that that's almost every team they go in, they know they're going to pay for it if they get uh, deficient in one area. And and so they've got to clean that up. But I think Caldwell probably could go look down the hall and say, listen, look at this personnel. Like you didn't give us enough, but how involved was he in the decision-making he was hired before free agency in the draft. So did he have input? I don't know. Like those are the things we just don't know. Uh, Rasheed Mathis with us here on a Monday talking about this defense did you see this coming at all? Because really the numbers haven't been unbelievable for the defense, Rasheen. And do you think it might be an unsolvable problem now with five games remaining in the year?
2: Well, to speak first on Caldwell and the scheme, like you said, that, that's out of his control at this point. Now it's about getting guys to fill, fit that scheme going, going, um, going further. Um, and that's something that you have to address in the off season so, whether it's in the draft or whether it's free agency but how many personnel um, so, moves do you like,
0: think you need to make to make it fit if any
2: it doesn't take much it doesn't take much if you if you get a solid guy on the other side then there's a that feels a huge void um, so if you get someone that can hold their their end up on the bargain on the other side that on the other side of Campbell that that kind of solves a lot of the a lot of the problem um, right there. So we're saying literally um,
0: just being able to run man coverage more often at a competent level well, in a trustworthy level changes the outlook of this entire defense. Forget about the fact well, that we're that struggling to get home and of, all that stuff.
2: Yeah. Well, that changes the outcome of every defense in the league. Um, <laughs> sure, so if, if you're sure. able to match up and run man yes. coverage up and down the field, that sets you apart from most teams in the league because not many teams are able to do that. Um, and so that, that would set you apart itself. Um, so I think that is something that we do need to address in the off season, whether it's free agency or in the draft, um, to get to get someone here that they, that they trust and in, in believe that can hold up their end on the bar, um, their end of the bargain on that side of the field. Um, and and it goes to show up and down the NFL. Corner is not an easy position to play. So that's why I say that safety leaning later or the scheme, like m- m- mixing up your scheme a little. It, it, it'll, it'll, help, it'll help those guys out. It'll help those guys out tremendously. And I agree with you, Brent. Um, the safety position is one of the strongest positions on the defense side of the ball, and it has proven um, week in and week out.
1: Yeah, it's been a pleasant surprise, and I think we've seen the growth of Cisco. I don't think, I, I'm not sure how much yesterday would have changed with Cisco in the lineup, but it, certainly you want him in the lineup, and Rayshon Jenkins, to me, has played really well. Uh, D, Goff looked... When they did have success, which, by the way, very few, I mean, we're talking plays, very few moments they had success, but they actually did force a couple of field goals. And when they got them off the field on third down, they did use the blitz, Foyer, Lueck, and some others. Is it just hard to say, hey, we're going to blitz this guy because he looks really uncomfortable? Because that's what I was kind of yelling at. I was like, okay, well, they're dinking and dunking, and they are just really setting the tone. You can't stop anything. They're going up and down the field. The only thing that looked effective to me yesterday was the three or four times that they called the blitz on third down, and it got me thinking, why not call it more, even if you do think you got to take a chance at that corner spot.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, when we did blitz and we did get to him and got get a little pressure on him, Um, it was just about trusting that on a more consistent basis, which is hard for a defensive coordinator when you're kind of getting beat and you're kind of getting burnt in different areas. Um, And I think that's kind of how they felt yesterday, that they couldn't call it as much as they wanted to. And if they did, they would get exposed. But, They didn't call it as much, and golf was able to dink and dunk, like you said, whether it was up under the linebackers or over the top of the linebackers. He was able to find spots, and he had more time. He was sitting back there comfortable, and it it was a long day for the defense because he was able to pick whatever he wanted to whenever he wanted to.
1: The linebacking play... Has been an issue. I don't think it's Foye Aluokin as much. Maybe there's more to it, but I'm going to give him the pass. You've got young guys, Devin Lloyd and, and Chad Muma, trying to find their way. It does seem like that's been an issue and a problem, and that's maybe part of the growth. Uh, it's a it's a little frustrating because Caldwell's a linebacker at heart, so you'd love to see some, some growth out of that position. Maurice Jones-Drew, though, just said something in the last hour that stuck with me. My main red flag right now, I would say, on the defensive side is regression. Trayvon Walker, Devin Lloyd, you had to bench him. Like, we're not seeing growth, Rasheen, like we saw with Tyson Campbell last year. Or we're seeing with Andre Sisco at times. And so, but Maurice said, hey, this is when you go home and take exams and then get back for your bowl game in college. It, it, it's always been a little bit of a cliche to say the rookie wall. Where do you put what the Jags have going on with their young players under rookie wall or under regression.
2: I never like the rookie wall term, um, <laughs> you know, because you're a professional athlete now um, and you have to adjust uh, week in and week out. There's different schemes that you're going to face. There's different talent that you're going to face. Um, and you have to be able to adjust as a professional athlete. So, how we were able to get pressure on the quarterback and how we were able to get our hands on balls at the beginning of the season, you know, we were praising the defense. We were praising on turnovers. We were praising, um, Allen on his rushes and his pressures. So I think, well, I, I don't think I actually know this, having a void at the corner position and not being able to trust that position puts the defense under immense pressure, um, and it's not really talked about because now you can't blitz. Now you're getting three and four hands on your pass rushers, and they're not able to get to the quarterback. And you're trying to hold up a scheme later on the down, hoping that the defense, the, the offense breaks down or hopefully hopefully that someone gets home later on in the down. And that's just too much pressure on the defense.
0: I just thought originally as we entered into the season, I thought they knew what they had in the secondary but the hope was that guys like Hamilton, Smoot, Key, but more, you know, more likely Allen and Trayvon Walker were going to get home more often that they could cover some of the shortcomings in that secondary.
1: Yeah, but I think uh, Aaron, I will say this. Early in the season, there was a thought. I, I talked to somebody and everybody was talking about pass. Everybody loves to talk about the pass rush not getting home. And and they might be and they're right to some degree. I'm not saying this well, you're wrong, right? No. But there was a thought early in the season. That when the pass rush wasn't getting home, let's just say weeks four, five, six, somewhere in there, that they weren't covering long enough. Like they weren't doing their job in the back end enough. And some of that, by the way, was even Shaq Griffin. Remember how we were talking about this football team as it was built? I said it. I said it. I thought it was the strength of the football team. They had Darius Williams. They had Shaq Griffin, who I thought played better last year than people wanted to give him credit for. And they had an up-and-comer in Tyson Campbell. I thought it was a strength of their football team and one of the strengths across the entire league if you look at a trio like that. My goodness, has that really blown up because of the one spot to Rasheen's point. Now I've got one other question about that, Rasheen. Why don't they just try Darius Williams out there and try something different in the nickel spot?
2: Um, Because the nickel spot is one of the toughest spots. We kind of addressed it a little earlier this year um, on the show. The nickel spot, you have to know the defense in and out. Um, Not everyone can go inside and play nickel. The nickel is a special position, um, and it takes a lot of knowledge. It takes a lot of swag. It takes a lot of confidence to understand the different schemes. If we're just playing man-to-man, yes, you can line someone up someone else in that slot, not just anybody, because the nickel still have to cover more ground. But if you're just playing man-to-man, you can do that. But when you're playing zone coverages, knowing the defense in and out is very, very extremely important.
1: So that's that's interesting. Let me just uh, make sure I heard correctly. because So if you could stay, let's just take this all the way back then. I'll be a defender of Caldwell right now. Because Caldwell wants to play man-to-man primarily. That's his scheme. That's what he brings over from Tampa. Uh, He obviously has some young players, Trayvon Walker, Devin Lloyd. He got to get through some of that mud. But Shaq Griffin really not playing well has forced them into all these different in the injury has forced them in all these other situations where they don't trust anyone out there. But now because they switch over to the zone, it puts even more emphasis on that nickel spot. And so you actually are way better off having Darius Williams in that spot than on the outside. I mean, is is that so? Basically, what you're telling me, Rasheed, is right now Caldwell's hands are just
0: tied.
2: They are. They are tied. Um, and as I said, if you're not able to put pressure on the other side of your defense, and because there there might be a lack of trust in that area, then they're really tied. Um, so that's why I'm the only other option is your your scheme changes. Or the scheme stays the same, and you put more pressure on that on on the strong side of your defense.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing too, though, is I'll, I'll be surprised if they don't pick somebody up in the next day. I mean, you got to hit the waiver wire. You've got to find somebody to play the position. Yeah, you know, so and and help you out. Why not? I mean. Keep trying. I mean, nothing you got to It just doesn't so. seem to be working. I, by the way, I had no problem with them going to Buster Brown and trying it out. He was a seventh-round pick. Try it out. Like that's, But it's obviously not it. It's just not working for him uh, right now. Hey, I'm only going to keep you one segment today, so we'll keep you for a couple more minutes. We'll go a little long here. Rasheen Mathis, Mathis on Mondays. Uh, the How much um, did you learn anything from Trevor yesterday? Uh, obviously, he doesn't have the bad injury, which it really looked like. He comes back and leads him down the field. But I said earlier in the show, it's really hard to know anything about Trevor. It was like a neutral game for him. I didn't see him do a lot wrong, but guys wouldn't catch passes. And just the whole game plan looked like it was thrown off uh, by the first 20 minutes of that football game. And I think it was just like, okay, we'll see you next week, Trevor, and hopefully we take it from there.
2: Yeah, I a lot from him. He's tough as nails, um, and that's what you want out of your franchise player. You want your franchise player to be able to take a lick in and keep on ticking, um, because your, your team is looking, looking at that. They're trying to see what type of leader they have. Um, and, and like you said, you didn't see a lot, nothing fancy, um, but you didn't see him do anything wrong. He definitely didn't hurt his team. Um, you know, they, they, you know, we made a turnover on the first drive and, you know, they, he still went down and we tried to drive down the field um, again. So, you know, he's he's doing everything that he needs to do. It's just, just trying to protect him and not expose him as much and get off the field on defense. Yeah, and, and I thought
1: he was good in the post game. I think, obviously, all eyes on Trevor. That was such a big deal for him not to get hurt for the year so he can continue to develop going forward. And I actually look at it now like this, Rasheen. I feel like last week against Baltimore, some of the, the comments, some of the everything, like, I trust him. I want the ball in his hands right now. Like, I think he's feeling pretty good about himself, and I think he is now... He's tried to take ownership in the past over this football team but I think his play now is also dictating okay I can take the keys to this car. I I sense that's happening right now. And that might take another few weeks, might even take into next year. But I actually sense like that's happening here in Jacksonville that Trevor Lawrence has taken the car and and he's driving it and he's like I got this.
2: I totally agree. He's he he's prime and ready. Um you know, we I think we were looking for growth. And we've seen we've seen him grow over this year tremendously. Um, and some of us had doubt, some of us didn't. And as I said, I always believe in his talent. It was just putting key pieces around him, and the receivers are playing better. Um, so give kudos to them as well. Um, you know, we have a running game that is that's efficient, and Kurt and Jones like every they're, they're all playing great. Um, So and we was questioning them at the beginning of the season, whether they need to find someone else, not saying that something another receiver wouldn't help, but they're stepping up and they're they're answering the call as well.
1: Yeah, I think I don't have a lot of concern about the offense. Now, yesterday was ugly at times with the drops. I get it. Like, that wasn't great. But overall, I think is what Rasheen's talking about, too. The totality. I've got a lot of confidence in this offense going forward. And they're going to add Calvin Ridley. I mean, there's there's some great confidence in that. Uh, all right, before I let you go, I was hoping that you had to tackle Derrick Henry at one time. But you didn't. You got out. <laughs> he got in. So you didn't have to worry about Derrick Henry. Hardest guy you've ever had to tackle from a running back position. Eddie George. Paul Lewis jamal lewis oh yeah
2: jamal lewis wrecking i I hit him one time from the side and he kept moving like i didn't even touch him (laughs) um so you know it was a was like you said eddie george there was a lot of priests homes there's a lot of guys that i can name um the bus like but jamal lewis he he made me feel like i didn't even touch him i feel like these guys and i felt every bit of
0: it (laughs) i feel like these guys like jamal lewis jerome bettis would just run through people but uh I'm watching Najee Harris on the Pittsburgh Steelers with this stiff arm all season long. He is burying guys like three yards into the dirt with this stiff arm, just planting them under the grass as he moves past them. I got to imagine that's way more humiliating than getting knocked over.
2: Well, I can't say no one has ever stiffed army like that. So <laughs> I, I, I really don't understand how it happens, but it happens week in and week out. So maybe it's a
0: new. A, a, a new skill, like a new move or something that the yeah. running backs have now that they didn't have back. Teaching then. them karate in high school or
1: something. <laughs> 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 well, Derek Henry's known for it, by the way. And I mean, how good, in your opinion, is is Derek? And uh, just from uh, like a challenge, everybody knows he's getting the football, and he usually still delivers.
2: Yeah, it's exciting to see. Um, you know, it's, it's 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 something when you have. Guys our young kids, regardless of how old they are, how big they are, wanting to be you, um, whether they can run the ball or not, um, and trying to stiff on people, and that's all they want to do. Um, it's it's a it's a generational talent. Like he he's in a he's in a he's big, strong, fast, you name it. So um, and kudos to his line, right? The the, the offensive line giving him holes and. You know, you give the ball like that to a guy that big, that big, that big, that fast, and that strong 25 times a game. You're not going to want to tackle him all those times. So, And that's what's happening.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it is like a fight with him. And and it kind of does. I'm glad you brought up Jamal Lewis because it is kind of like the old Baltimore Ravens games that you guys would have. And, And both teams were physical. But you get to a point where you're like, it's not like you throw in the towel. You just don't have any juice left by the fourth quarter to do it, right?
2: That's exactly right. Um, you know, you want to bring two chin straps in your lunch pail, but at the end of the day, you know, the fourth quarter is going to come around and you want to be the quarter horse.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it shows you all the conditioning, all the work put in, uh, you know, that, that he's better conditioned probably than the rest of them. <laughs> which is which is amazing and a testament uh, to him. The Jags get Tennessee coming up on Sunday. All right, man, we're going to let you go. Uh, it almost sounds like you're putting up a wall or something at D-Bats. Like, I have no idea if you're there, but it sounds like construction is going well regardless.
2: It is. It's going great. It's going great. So the walls are up. They're going up. Um, frame is built. So it's, it's, it's exciting time for the
1: D-Bat family. All right. Down in St. Augustine, probably, a maybe estimation of April, May-ish, uh, in the spring for, uh, Rasheed Mathis and D-Bats. All right, man, we'll talk to you next week. Hopefully it's a little bit better of a story for that Jaguars defense.
2: Yes, hopefully so. Um, you guys have a great day. All right. And thanks. Good week. Thanks, Rasheed.
1: That is Rasheed Mathis. Mathis on Mondays, uh,
0: educates us. Oh yeah. So do you feel a little bit better about Mike Caldwell? Yes, actually. Believe it or not, I do feel a little bit better. Rasheen seems to thin. I trust in Rasheen. You get a, a a real good man corner. It doesn't even have to be a pro bowler, but it certainly will help to shore up that defense and maybe give that front seven a little, uh, little more time to get home. Well, there are two things that were
1: very noticeable about what Rasheen said. One is... Everybody would do it if they could. It's hard to get two corners that can play man up and down the field. Yeah. Because then everybody would do it. That's what you want to do. Well, you just need to buy one. You've already got one. You get forced to play zone. But my point being is everybody's looking, right? Mm -hmm. And wow, what a hole they have there. Like, in Rasheen's estimation, basically, the hole that they have at corner is impacting the entire defense. Now, he does put some blame on the linebackers, and that's going to be the youth of the linebackers. But it's almost like that hole at corner – I know everybody wants to point to the pass rush, but it's really the hole at corner that is probably problem number
0: one. But look, bad forcing all these other things to go down. I mean, bad news is that you're not going to be able to afford a decent corner at 16 mil a year when you're 5 million over the cap. So if you're looking at the draft for the help, you're probably not finding that impact next year. Not everyone in the draft is Sauce Gardner. No, but the draft is pretty good
1: at the corner position. It's pretty deep. That's why a lot of people want the Jags to go that number one pick. I mean, number one pick for them. Sure. Oh, it's not going to be the number one pick, I hope. Uh, I don't think they can even do that. Is um, It'd be is some run for cor- the Texans. That <laughs> <laughs> would be if uh, it'd be a corner. So. Uh, Interesting, always interesting with Maurice Jones, Drew, and Rasheen Mathis on Mondays. We talk more football. There's a lot going on coming out of this weekend, by the way. We're going to hit it all over the next 90 minutes. Brent and Friends on ESPN 690. Hey, welcome back, Brent and Friends. A lot of Jags talk today, and that will continue. If you miss Monday Morning Madness, by the way, 8 a.m. until 10 a.m. each and every Monday. Oh, we had a good time this morning. I Casey heard it Curtis. was mad. It was pretty angry.
3: It hey, was dope. <laughs> if they play I, like that again, I'll be counting down the Mondays. By the way, it's 5, I, I
0: believe. Walk, I walked to the studio at 8.30. Casey turns off his mic. He goes... Hey, I'm rebuilding the Jags roster. <laughs> that was. Did you frame that piece of paper yet in your three
1: three, two, two Still defense or whatever yes. it is? Gentlemen,
3: this is what I like to call the three-three three-two. Three, <laughs> okay. Okay. This is what the boys are gonna run. Casey Caldwell.
1: This is by the Trust way me. when you said you said like gentlemen, I thought you were about to give us an impassioned speech there. <laughs> gentlemen. Nah. We're gonna do something different. That nobody's ever done. Nobody's God, got to get the Valvano speech in my in my head now, right? <laughs> Nobody was We're ever gonna, gonna do run this. a
3: three 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 two. Yeah. Look at this. I got Wingert in the middle of the whole thing, <laughs> just roaming. Dewey Someti- the Rover. Yeah, Sometimes he's a linebacker. Sometimes he's playing safety. Could be the slot <laughs> corner. Wherever you put him, it doesn't matter. But he's on the field in the three 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 two. Getting it done. Happy birthday, by the way, to Dewey Wingert. He's gonna be so excited when he hears the news. The three 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 two. That's
0: a big promotion for him.
3: Good for him. Deserves it. Hi! Right, look what happened.
1: I just saw this coming out of our news department on the TV side. Oh, Guess no. what? What happened? You're not gonna believe it. Nope. You got fired. <laughs> that would be a surprise. <laughs> that would be, that would You're be, not gonna, good luck. I don't know, my but now, endeavors. if I ever do get fired, I hope it happens in this kind of way. Oh, there's zero because 0% when I chance. just
0: read it live, right? Like that'd be awesome. Uh, radio is notorious for letting you finish the shift on good terms and then kicking you yeah, out the door. Yeah, that's a
1: good point. Going a commercial break, right? Yeah. You're done. Yeah, we don't have a say quick, goodbye.
0: Quick meeting, I need. Just bring your playbook. Definitely don't <laughs> say goodbye. But anyway, we've got
1: uh, we got ice cream in December downstairs. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not Sundays on Mondays, but it's ice cream in TV land. But it is in radio Sundays on Mondays. I know. Today. How was it today? Did you grab I, me some whipped cream? I didn't cream?
0: go. I was a little busy. I'm sorry.
1: Anybody steal some whipped cream? I did not. We're out of one.
0: We need the whipped cream. I that's, bought oh, you we, one. We with now.
1: Real money. I know. Why did you buy it? We we just steal. Sundays on Mondays. We steal I thought food. it would be a productive thought to just buy one. We have now embraced Sundays on Mondays here. Well, uh, Aaron always has. Like that's kind of his thing. That is but, kind of my thing. We have embraced it because now we get to steal the whipped cream. Yeah, saves us two dollars and forty-eight cents in this inflation-filled market. <laughs>
0: I mean, admitting it out loud may mean that they have uh, security guards posted there next week. But well, if they it's, have cameras anyway. I like they could find me if it's the same security guards in our parking lot. You're still going to be able to get away <laughs> with it. Those guys don't do nothing. <laughs> like you're right. It's not that but... they don't do anything. It's that they probably could. I'm sorry, maybe it's their coaching. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they're coaching has they have uh, regressed a little bit they for regressed different
1: a little reasons <laughs> <laughs> oh man too much information around yeah, here maybe <laughs> brent martino aaron schachter casey kurtz uh it's brent and friends on espn six nine. there's really a lot going on in the sports world so much how about uh fred mcgriff gets in the hall of fame the crime dog
0: good for him well good when,
3: for fred
0: when i say fred mcgriff do you feel like hall of famer i didn't no when i heard it but i always you know perennial all-star great
3: first baseman good player quality better than most people that have ever played the sport but you know what that baseball has figured out that's not okay you're either a hall of famer or you're mid like there's (laughs) there's never that like class where you were really good you had a great career you know you're you're a legend for the team you played for it's okay if you're not a hall of famer not in major league baseball
0: it does feel less exclusive to be in doesn't it
3: yes yeah Frederick played for the Rays, granted, not when I was, like, you know, watching. but
0: Wasn't wasn't great when he played for the Rays. Yeah,
3: and that's fine. So, like, I should have more love. I'm just saying, like, it's okay (laughs) to not be a Hall of Famer. He played for the Rays? Exactly. The Devil Rays. Wow. Gosh, he he hung—he played forever.
0: That's the thing. If you played for the Rays as a rookie, you know you were great, probably drafted in the first two or three rounds of the baseball draft, but if you played
3: after age 35— that's exactly where you are. Those born. were all the boys for a minute. They had Kinseco, They had mm-hmm. Fred.
1: But, but your point about, and by the way, I, I don't like to have these conversations like Fred McGriff deserved to get in the Hall of Fame. But if your view on it is that like very good players getting into the Hall of Fame. If that's your view, the reason why is because they're not letting the
0: great players that juiced up into the Hall of Fame. Good counterpoint right like, there. If you're not going to let in Bonds, you need to let somebody in. You right?
1: gotta let some people in. This was like the contemporary division, right? This wasn't like your actual summer vote where the writers do it and stuff. And the contemporary guys don't want to let Clemens and Bonds and and I always throw Pete Rose in for different reasons. Like I On what planet is it a Hall of Fame if Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are not in it, but Fred McGriff is?
3: Yeah, I'm saying. It's a
0: good point.
1: Like, really, what planet? Like, my man Jimbo said, you're just trying to stir things up. No, I'm not. Like, I've been saying this for years. I don't care if you make a wing that has a big, uh, what do they call it, like needle? Syringe. Syringe Mm. (laughs) through the middle of it. I don't care. Make that wing. Now but if it's Cooperstown in the baseball, it would be kind of cool. Baseball Hall of Fame. <laughs> put the steroid era in its own wing. I'm with you on you that. Can, you can flush them into solidar, sol, what solidarity. Is solidarity. Yeah, like you, that's like a prison thing, right? Sure. Like if you're in your own little cell. If yeah, like that. Solitary. That's solitary. Solitary confinement. Solidarity is like that's brother. Yeah, no, no, no. Fellowship. Solitary is what I was looking for. But that's But you know what's interesting
0: about that? Because right now. have had a very
1: good moment <laughs> if I just had nailed it. Sorry,
0: buddy. Almost killed it, bro. And then I led you right down the wrong path, too. You did. I was like, this Anyway, Brent, right off the was right off the ledge. I
3: think I was here.
0: But here's like I think the struggle is it's hard to compare a guy like Bonds to someone who you don't believe is on the juice. But to your point, man, once you put the wing in there, now you can compare steroids to steroids guys and quote clean guys to clean guys. And now you can now you can have the context. How good was Bonds? Well, we don't know compared to Babe Ruth how good he was, but we know compared Becker. to Mark McGuire or Sammy Sosa how That's good he fun. was.
3: That is fun. I like that.
0: Yeah, and I th-
1: Man, if I if I had won like if I can win like that billion dollar powerball, I think this is a new thing I might do. I might just put my name on the wing in Cooperstown and <laughs> just donate. Just make sure they put it
3: on there. That'd be fun. That'd be cool. Hey, on the Fred McGriff thing, right? I think when you look at the stats, again, this is a top 0.001%, not 3000 hits. Not 500 home runs, not a 300 career batting average. But you like have to compare
0: it to, to to the time he played in, which granted, which he played was during the era he, of baseball. He, he played, played during played the for juice 40, ball era, years. but he also played during the dead ball <laughs> era for a little bit. And here's a guy who went on a run one, two, three, four, five, six. Years in a row receiving MVP votes but never winning the MVP, which is, I think, your point, Casey. And I'm
3: with you, man. He was very, very good. Yeah. He's not a Hall of Famer. I'm I, so- Like, you have to have 500, you have to have 3,000, or you have to have a great career batting average. Just one because the rest of the numbers fit. Now, granted, 493 is close. It is very close. <laughs> it's close. But there were seven times he flew out at the wall that they didn't go over, and I'm sorry, you got to have one of the numbers.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think – Again, this is less to me about McGriff and it's just like, okay, if that guy's going in, which is fine, I, I'm not as I, I'm not against it like Casey might be. These guys better be in too. Like we're talking about the best players See, the game's ever seen. And every one of those voters, if you said is Barry Bonds better than Fred McGriff, they would say yes, with or without steroids. Every one of them would say yes, yet they don't put him in. Like this is dumb.
0: So well, let me ask you a couple of names then. Are you putting David Ortiz in the Hall of Fame? Yes. Big bet. Are you putting Frank Thomas
3: in the Hall Big of Fame? Big bet, yeah.
0: Is he already? Yeah. Yeah. Are you putting Carlos Delgado oh, so Ortiz, in yeah. the Hall of Fame?
3: I would have to check the numbers for sure, but he doesn't have 500. He doesn't have 3,000, and the batting average couldn't have been that high. I he think never
1: Delgado got in, right? And I think Del- Delgado's, in? Not in. Delgado's not in. Oh, he's in. not in?
0: No. I don't believe so.
1: Okay. No, but Delgado's the kind of player that gets in because the other guys at Juiced aren't in.
0: Yeah, Delgado had 473, not 500.
3: Yeah. And he and, never uh, won anything.
0: Two eighty, McGriff was two eighty four. You're right. He never won anything, but he received the same amount of MVP votes as. McGriff. He's actually extremely similar to McGriff.
3: He is, Delgado and is. it's a, it's a good poll. Delgado was a good player. Like you feared him when he came out to bat again. Gary it's o- Sheffield. It's okay to be good, yes, because of five hundred. Like we've put so much on that number. If you get there, you're in. Gary Sheffield's there. Okay, unless
0: you're Barry Bonds.
3: Right. Of course. Yeah. You that. Or like is, any of those guys. Yeah. Yeah, but I think again, you're. And I don't hate Fred McGriff. I know it sounds that way, <laughs> but I don't. They put two there's too many guys in that were mid, and that's just what it is. And now they have to keep up with the mid agenda. Well, so anybody right bar. anybody that right now that's playing is kind of good. Like I'm sorry, Miguel Cabrera is going to go in. He's great. That's not what I'm saying here. But let me finish. Miguel Cabrera and Fred McGriff are not the same dude. Miguel no. Cabrera is a legend. Fred McGriff was very good, and they're both going to be said as Hall of Famers. It's not right. It's it's just not cool.
1: Yeah, and again, less of a problem being, like, I, I know the exclusiveness is always, like, a fine line, um, but the, the Delgado-McGriff comparison is a great one. Like, it's I really would have put those in my, like, I always go the name, right, the the ear test, basically. Like, mm-hmm. should that guy go in the Hall of Fame? And I would be like, you got to really tell me McGriff's numbers.
0: I would have said the same
1: about Delgado. Oh, I would have said like, no to Delgado. Yeah, and I would have probably
0: said no to McGriff, like, have five said, days ago. Two days ago, I would have said no to McGriff. And so... Yes, but to I do like point, this They're point lowering the bar. I like the point you made about the lack of the steroid player because these were the guys. These were would would who be would going in during that era. Yeah, and they're not going to go in.
1: And now it's adding up, right? Yeah. I mean, because now many years go by. So I can't believe popping. you guys
0: are putting Bagwell in. That's shocking to me. I mean, he's got numbers, but he was also one of these guys. He actually admitted to taking Andro in '98, but no other year. Yeah, it
1: is what it is in Major League Baseball. I mean, it is with with Cooperstown. I love Cooperstown. I like the Hall of Fame. I just wish it was a real Hall of Fame in that sense. It's it's just not. I mean, I, again, Hall of Fames are for greatness. Hall of Fames are for like artifacts and museum-like history of the game. They're the encyclopedia of the game, but if I go visit with my grandkids someday, I should be able to say Barry Bonds, Clemens, with a big syringe going through their wing of the hall. Like <laughs> you love that it visual. It would huh? be
3: awesome. That would though. be great. But they it should would be they should. attended, too. They should it should be part of it. You know what would be cool? Because well, if you're doing that, are you putting like Sammy Sosa in? Just a quick yes or no. I don't in the, the steroid home. wing? <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Never mind. If only for like the I, single season home run stuff. Well, that's what I'm gonna say. So you could have the guys that go in the hall, right? Bonds Clemens, to your point. And then some of those other guys, you could put their name on the syringe, but not give them a plaque. This is interesting, too, because a guy like
0: Sosa didn't necessarily have a Hall of Fame career.
1: That's it. That's the thing. Like, See, I do think, and I'm probably talking out both sides of my mouth a little bit, but see, that's my point in the bonds Clemens specific. They are Hall of Famers without the steroid era. They are hall of famers before
3: it. Yeah, right. Sammy Sosa they, was
1: not. Sammy Sosa was not. Like, Can you really say that until you find out when they started taking it? Well, but but let's go. What we think the era is like—that's what we're defining it for everybody. But if you listen to these guys talk, he was a three-time MVP, and like, like whoever Clemens was or whatever Cy Young, like he was a dominant pitcher in the game before. And then, of course, they extended their career,
0: right? And they got more you stats. You say and- this a lot—that steroids is a lot about the recovery more so oh, I than think the it building, was a big
1: part of it. But you listen to a guy like—but
0: if you listen to a guy like Kensuke talk, he says not only were they taking it for muscle and speed but they've been taking it way longer than anyone is acknowledging. Well,
1: they probably did, but we don't know that.
3: Mm. I'm going to be real. I'm not trusting what Kinseiko says. All, yeah, I was <laughs> going to say. My <laughs> there's, that's I
1: there's mean, aliens. Think that was, that's fair. You know, the, the thing about Bonds is, like, I just go by his head size. Yeah, not a lot, lot changed, of people do, sure. Right? I mean, he was a normal-looking athlete that was a three-time MVP and still a jerk He's a 30-30 in all those things, club. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was all those guys. And then his head grew into the size of, like,
0: A fathead. I'm just saying at 36 years old, we remember the 73 home runs. But, like, he's been hitting 30-plus since he's 25 in 1990. Listen, I'm a guy that doesn't – I don't want to acknowledge his home run kingdom. But I'm just saying, I don't like that about him. I don't want to Just later, when we knew he was taking steroids, only hitting another 10, 15 more.
3: And I... But just on the recovery point real quick, I think it's interesting because when you talk about the guys that have admitted to it, like Andy Pettit, everybody's coming back from an injury. So I think that would fuel your point, Brent, that, like, the recovery, it makes it quicker. I honestly...
0: T- I think I that's just the way to do it without sounding like you're cheating.
3: Well, yeah. well, I
1: think the but, recovery was the exactly. most important part of the steroid era. Because look at the age of these guys in the season that debilitates your, debilitates your body as you get older. It is a hard, the hardest season from a, a length of game standpoint, right? A travel standpoint. Yep. And it's hard to keep up. Well, these guys were still doing it when they were 42. Clemens and Bonds and others and i think a lot well. the big reason for that was well they had some of their best years when they were in their late 30s yes, still yes yes and so not that was abnormal because steroids make you abnormal yeah they don't necessarily make you always hit it 5 more feet or 50 more feet they make you strong enough and recovered enough to be able to hit it. Definitely 25, 30 more feet healthy enough. Maybe Sure. that's the way I always looked at steroids. Now I know there are other ramifications and reasons that to me was the biggest asset to that steroid era group. In my opinion, we'll be back. Football at five coming up. We got a lot of other topics to get to more. Deion Sanders, the bowl games, Jacksonville gets a good one. The rest of the NFL, Jimmy G. What is going on? Baker Mayfield. Oof! what a Monday. We'll be back on ESPN 690.
0: Done.